Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What bitter experience had taught her disillusion? What strange environment? had edged her wits with worldly wisdom. "'We haven't figured Marsh in at all,' he said tentatively. "'He figures, nevertheless, as I intend to show you today. "'To begin with, please notice that unobtrusive man in the grey suit. "'Not now. Don't look around for a minute. "'You will see him on the opposite side of the street.' "'Boyd turned to observe a rat-faced fellow across the way, "'evidently bound for the Tacoma boat.' Is he following us? I see him everywhere I go. Boyd's face clouded angrily, at which Cherry exclaimed, Now for heaven's sake, don't mimic Big George, or we'll never learn anything. I won't stand for a spy, he growled. And be arrested? No, he assured her grimly. It may be as you suspect, but you needn't fear that I'll ever go to jail for assaulting one of Willis Marsh's helpers. She glanced up quickly as if detecting a double meaning in his words. Then, at the smouldering fires she beheld, observed in a gentler tone, "'You care a great deal for Miss Wayland, don't you?' His only answer was a deep breath and a slow turning of the head, but once she had seen the look in his eyes, she needed no other. She could only say, "'I hope she is worthy of all she is causing you to suffer, Boyd. So few of us are.' She did not speak again, but in her heart was a great heaviness. They reached the dock and lost sight of the spy, only to have him reappear soon after the boat cleared, and while neither spoke of it, they felt his presence during the whole trip. Before them, Rainier lifted its majestic snow-crowned head high into the heavens, its serrated slopes softened by a purple haze, its soaring crest limbed in blazing glory by the sun. The bay beneath them was like a huge silver shield, flat-rolled and glittering, inlaid with master cunning between wooded hills that swept away into mysterious distances, there to rise skyward in an ever-changing, ever-charming confusion. It reflected fairy-like islands, overgrown till they bowed to their mirrored likenesses. Now a smiling inlet opened up a perspective of golden sand and whispering shingle. Again a frowning bluff slipped past, lost in lonely contemplation of its own inverted image. The day was gorgeous, inspiring. Their course lay through an enchanted region, so suggestive of splendid possibilities that Boyd was constrained to observe, You know, if the Pilgrim Fathers had landed here in the first place, New England would never have been discovered. A remark at which Cherry nodded in complete agreement. 
at tacoma boyd left her to go about his business but joined her later at lunch with the joyful announcement i've had better luck this time they said there would be no difficulty whatever in handling the matter and they are to let me know definitely tomorrow did hawkshaw hound you to the bank she inquired i rather think so then tomorrow we'll tell the tale you mean the bank will turn me down yes if i've sized up the situation correctly i dare say these banks are as cautious as those in seattle and a few words over the telephone would do the trick i'm inclined to give that shadow a little personal attention the young man mused but when she questioned him he only smiled and assured her of his caution again on the return trip they discovered the fellow among the passengers but boyd made no sign until the boat was landing then cherry found that he had edged her into the crowd massed at the gangway and caught sight of the man in gray immediately ahead of them she noticed that while emerson maintained a flow of conversation his eyes were constantly upon the fellow's back and that he kept a position close to his shoulder regardless of jostling from the others she could not tell what this foreboded nor did she gain a hint of boyd's purpose until the gangplank was in place and they were put upon it a narrow space separated the boat from the dock as they crossed this boyd slipped and half fell on the slanting planks she never knew exactly what happened except that he released her arm and lunged violently against the man in gray who was next to him it occurred with the suddenness of pure accident and the next she saw was the stranger plunging downward along the piling clutching wildly at the vessel's side while boyd clung to the guard rope as if about to lose his balance the man's cry as he struck the water alarmed the crowd and caused a momentary stampede in which cherry and boyd were thrust shoreward but the confusion quickly subsided as an officer flung a heaving line to the grasping creature beneath a moment later the hatless spy was dragged to the dock indignant and sputtering i'm very sorry sir boyd apologized profusely it was all my fault the plank was steep and i was forced off my feet whenever i'm following too closely i lose my head it's a weakness i have the man ceased cursing to dart a sharp glance at him but he was still too unmanned by his cold immersion to do more than chatter angrily in the hubbub emerson led his companion out into the street where she beheld him shaking with suppressed laughter boyd she said in a shocked voice then it was you you might have killed him suppose his head had struck a timber yes that would have been too bad he declared then at the sight of her face his chuckle changed to a wolfish snarl he'll know enough to keep away from me hereafter i won't play with him the next time don't don't i never saw you look so why it might have been murder well he stared at her curiously i i didn't think it of you she shuddered weakly but he only shrugged his shoulders and said with a finality that cut off further discussion he's a spy i won't be spied upon when boyd entered his room at the hotel whither he had gone after leaving cherry at hilliard's bank big george greeted him excitedly here's hell to pay we can't get that barkentine the margaret why not the charter was all arranged the agent telephoned that we couldn't have her what reasons did he offer none we can't have her that's all she's the only available ship on the sound our stuff will be here in a fortnight some of it will what do you boilers held up boilers 
Yes, read that. Bolt tossed him a telegram. Shipment delayed, read Boyd. Well, this is growing interesting. Thank heaven other people handle machinery. He reached for a blank and hurriedly wrote a message cancelling his order. I guess Cherry was right. Marsh is fighting to delay us. He began a recital of the morn's occurrences, but before he had finished he was called to the telephone. More bad news, he exclaimed as he re-entered the room. The Jackson Niebuhr Company say they can't make delivery of their order. I wonder what next. We don't need nothing more to cripple us, George declared blankly. Any one of these blows is a knockout. It was perhaps an hour later that Cherry entered unannounced. I just ran in for a minute to tell you something new. When I came up from the bank, the elevator boy at the hotel made a mistake and carried me past my floor. Without noticing the difference, I went down the hall, and whom should I run right into coming out of a room but our detective? As he opened the door, I heard him say, Very well, sir, I'll report tomorrow. To whom was he reporting? I don't know. A few minutes later, I called you up to tell you about it, but while I was waiting for my number, the operator evidently got the wires crossed, or left a switch open, for I heard this much of a conversation. Our contract covers 50,000 cases at $5. We thought that was at least 20 cents under the market. I was about to ring off when I remembered that you had sold your outfit of 50,000 cases to Block & Company for $5 a case, so I listened, on a chance, and heard another voice reply, Whose voice? I don't know. It said, We'll undersell that by one dollar. Good Lord, said the first speaker. That means a loss of... And then I was cut off. I thought I'd better come over in person instead of trusting to the wire. And you didn't recognize either speaker? No, but I discovered at the office that rooms 610 and 612, the suite I saw that detective coming out of, are occupied by a Mr. Jones of New York, who arrived three days ago. I'll bet anything you please that you'll hear from Block & Company within 24 hours, and that the occupant of those rooms at the Hotel Buller is Willis Marsh. Big George began to mutter profanely. It looks like they had us, and all because Fraser's tongue is hung in the middle. All the same, we'll fight it out, said Emerson grimly. If I can raise that money in Tacoma, Again the telephone bell buzzed noisily. Block and company, predicted Cherry, but for once she was wrong. A call from Tacoma, said Boyd, the receiver to his ear. It must be the second national. They were not to let me know till tomorrow. Through the open door of the adjoining room his words came distinctly, while the others listened in tense silence. Hello, yes, this is Boyd Emerson. Then followed a pause, during which the thin, rasping voice of the distant speaker murmured unintelligibly. "'Why not? Can't you give me a reason? I thought you said—' "'Very well. Good-bye.' Emerson hung up the receiver carefully, and with the same deliberation turned to face his companions. He nodded and spread his hands outward in an unmistakable gesture. "'What, already?' queried the girl. "'They must have been reached by phone.' That detective may have called Marsh up from there. That means it won't do any good to try further in Tacoma. The other banks have undoubtedly been fixed, or they soon will be. If I can slip away undiscovered, I'll try Vancouver next. But I haven't much hope. It looks bad, doesn't it? said Cherry. As we stand at present, Boyd acknowledged, we are the owners of $100,000 worth of useless machinery 
and unsaleable supplies. And all, mused the girl, because of a loose tongue and a little type. End of chapter 14